Tackle terror beneath the waves. Your amazing ESP abilities have put you at the controls of the Manta, a specially built government submarine. Your mission? To find out why ships have been disappearing all over the world without a trace. One day, deep at sea, you are suddenly trapped by a brilliant beam of light from a vessel 100 times the size of the Manta. What does your ESP tell you to do? If your instinct says that firing the sub's torpedoes will help, turn to page 70. If you sense that it is safer to hold fire, turn to page 40. Be careful, you'll have to be quick to escape the phantom submarine. What happens next in the story, it all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 22 possible endings. Choose Your Own Adventure, Book 26, The Phantom Submarine, by Richard Brightfield, illustrated by Ron Jones. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jason. I'm Jeremy. Jill. Is Richard Brightfield a... Richard Brightfield wrote Secret of the Pyramids. Okay. Oh. So, he did get another book. All right. Um, Ron Jones is new, though. I was going to say, I think Ron Jones is a new... uh... I like the illustration. It reminds me of Moana. It's kind of comic booky in a way, but... uh... Uh, it's got a little more texture to it, I think. Yeah, they're not as detailed as um, Ralph Reese. They look more li- almost like um, uh, coloring book illustrations, uh-huh. but they actually look pretty good. So it's like a frog person on the on the cover. On the cover, a frog person with a bubble helmet on. Yep, I kind of like that. Is he holding a trident, or is he just holding? Yes, a... trident. Yeah, the manta submarine thing looks like a manta so we're we're actually we're not piloting the phantom submarine we are in a different thing look chasing the phantom submarine yeah we're in we're in the manta and yeah the phantom submarine is trying to fuck with us i guess i guess um warning do not read this book straight through from beginning to end these pages contain many different adventures you can have as you search the seas From time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make decisions and choices. Your choices may lead to success or disaster. Your adventures are the result of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens next. Think carefully before you make a move. One mistake could trap you under the North Pole or sweep you into the depths of the ocean. Or it might lead you to the Phantom Submarine. Good luck. Ooh. It'd be great uh, if, this had, if this book had like a Scooby-Doo ending. You like pull off the Phantom <laughs> Submarine's mask and it's like, it's Farmer Johnson. And I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids and that Manta Submarine. That's, I think that's what I keep hoping for in these books. <laughs> I, I honestly think I keep wanting yeah. that ending. It is late afternoon. Just about the time your father is due home from work. You're sitting in the living room reading a book when the pages begin to blur. Your head begins to buzz. 
Strange images swirl before your eyes. Two large forms appear to collide. You can't make out exactly what they are, but they could be cars. Then the images fade and the pages clear again. Suddenly there is a screech of brakes in front of your house and then a loud bang. You run to the window. Your dad just died. A car has smashed into the front fender of your father's car just as he was turning into the driveway. Your father isn't hurt. Yeah. Somehow... Well, I'm done with this book. <laughs> somehow you already knew that he wouldn't be. Several days later, you are going down one of the stairways at school when your head begins to buzz again. You see a falling image. You guess what it is. Watch out, you cry, but the student is already falling. At dinner that evening, you tell your parents about your experiences. I've heard that one of the professors at the university is trying to make a scientific study of just this sort of thing, says your father. I think the professor's name is Conroy. Tomorrow, I'll give him a call and maybe you can meet him. A few days later, you find yourself seated in Professor Conroy's office. We call this phenomenon ESP. <laughs> is it literally written like that or is that just a voice you're doing? That That's is my voice. Okay. Yeah. They call this phenomenon ESP, the professor tells you, which is short for extrasensory perception. <laughs> it is a very rare ability. Some people with ESP can see into the future, while others are able to move or bend objects with their mind. You seem to know when something is about to happen. Three weeks have passed since your talk with the professor. You're sitting in your room when you have that feeling again that something is about to happen. An image of something flying forms in your mind. A few seconds later, you hear a helicopter flying towards your house. It swoops low over the house and lands on a vacant lot nearby. There is a knock at the front door. This is followed by a lot of talking. Now your mother is coming up the stairs. Professor Conroy and some other men are here to see you, she says. When you go downstairs, you find the professor seated on the sofa. He gets up to greet you. Two men are standing stiffly next to him. Something about them spells military, or perhaps FBI. One of the men steps forward. We're sorry to bother you, the man begins, but we're here on an urgent matter. We work for a special government agency. Some time ago, we alerted all of the ESP researchers to be on the lookout for especially gifted subjects. There is a chance that you are the person who can help us work on a very special assignment. We would appreciate it if you could come with us for a couple of days to take a few tests. Is it alright if I go? you ask your mother. You can go if you really want to, she replies. But think it over carefully. I have my own feeling that there is much more to this than these men are telling us. If you agree to take the test, turn to page 5. If you decide not to take the test, turn to page 10. I say page 10 because I want to see if they're going to snatch and grab us anyways and make us do it. Alright, I mean, I, you know, I guess I'm fine with that. Like, I don't have a real logical argument one way or the other for this. Like, like no, this feels like you, you under normal circumstances, you would just go and do this. Go and do the so, test, right. I know, but I kind of want to see what the reaction is if you yeah. don't. All right. Your mother may be right. There could be more to this than meets the eye. I don't think I want to do this right now, you say. But this may be vital f to your country, and 
Are you refusing to help us? Says one of the men, getting red in the face with anger. Oh. I think it's time for you gentlemen to leave, your mother says. Go to the next page. The red-faced man suddenly steps forward and grabs you by the arm. If you don't want to come with us voluntarily, we'll have to make you. Turn to page 21. Boom. Feels like a waste of a page. That Shit got real. Page that it was hard. That's what Brightfield does. He did this in the last book, too. He takes a little section of a page and dumps it off on another oh, page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh, he did. And pads out the book. Yeah. Bitch learned to write. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Conroy and the other man quickly step in and pull him away. We're really sorry about this, says Professor Conroy. We've all been under a lot of strain. Some of us are at breaking point. If you should change your mind about the test, please contact me at the university. Professor Conroy and the two men walk over to the helicopter and take off. You'll always wonder what they really wanted from you. The end. What the fuck? I was hoping they were going to have that Ripley moment again, where you go, where it eats at you, and then you call them back up and go, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. You just... Don't, All right. You just don't do it. So, so I guess we got to do it. That was the only well, choice. Was, I was yeah. going to say, was it? Yeah, that, yeah, that was we the get only one choice, choice so and then far. the end again. Yeah. Yep. Yay. Okay, so I guess we're going to do it. So if you agree to take the test, page five. I think I should go, you tell your mother. At least I'll be able to find out what's been going on in my head. A few hours later, the helicopter with you, Professor Conroy, and the other two men aboard lands in the center of a large, heavily guarded complex of buildings near Washington, D.C. You are met by an attractive, neatly dressed woman with short hair. Let me introduce Dr. Thurzen, Greta Thurzen, says Professor Conroy. Greta was a research associate of mine. Now she is working for the government. I'll leave you in her hands. I'll have to get back to my students. Good luck. Okay. Next page. Dr. Thurzen takes you to her office nearby. First, she says, I would like you to try to guess the numbers on the backs of these special cards. You close your eyes in concentration. Let me think, you say. That one is a five. The next one is a ten. After you've gone through the whole pile, Dr. Thurzen seems disappointed. You scored a little better than 50%, she tells you. But that falls within the normal margin for error. Your ESP abilities do not seem particularly strong. If you will wait here, I will go and discuss this with my associates. As Dr. Thurzen talks, you get the feeling again that something is about to happen. You sense that there is great danger just outside the office. Dr. Thurzen, stop, you exclaim. Don't go out that door. There is a loud crash. Is everyone all right in there? Someone shouts. Dr. Thurzen cautiously pulls open the door, now pushed slightly off its hinges. The back of a large truck is jammed up against the outside of the building. An ashen-faced driver appears around the side of the truck. My brakes failed as I was backing up, he explains. Dr. Thurzen turns to you. You do have some remarkable abilities, after all, she says. You probably saved my life. I think you are exactly the person we have been looking for. The two men who came with you on the helicopter arrive out of breath. 
Dr. Thurzen explains to them what happened. They're now all looking at you. I think we've learned what we need to know, says Dr. Thurzen. How would you like to play the role of ESP specialist on a research submarine? You're a bit flabbergasted, to say the least. I don't see what ESP has to do with a submarine, you say. Oh, this is no ordinary submarine, one of... Oh, one of the men says. <laughs> <laughs> this is no ordinary submarine, one of the men says. It is designed so that ESP can be used as a special backup warning. We had planned a long land-based training program, but now we are pressed for time. You will have to learn on the job, at sea. Wait a minute, you say. My family expects me home in a couple of days. I know, says the man. We will talk to your parents and explain that what you will be doing is vital to the nation's security. National security, you exclaim. Really? Ordinarily, says the man, we wouldn't tell you about it until after you agreed to help us. But since it may influence your decision, we will. Ships at sea all over the world are disappearing without a trace. They're here one second, gone the next. That's what disappearing means. Particularly submarines. We don't know why. The Russians are losing as many as we are. This mission is a very dangerous uh, yeah, one. Yeah, the Cold War. Yep, Cold War. Good old 1980-something. Mm-hmm. This mission is a very dangerous one, so it is your privilege to refuse. If you agree to embark immediately on this mission, turn to page 13. If you tell them that you need more time to think it over, turn to page 19. 19 sounds boring. I kind of just want to get to it. Yeah. The mysterious disappearance of the ships intrigues you. You agree to help. Hours later, you are aboard a transcontinental military jet on the way to a shipyard on the west coast. Dr. Greta Thurzen and the two men are with you. I'm Captain Hornbolt, says the man who has been doing most of the talking. You sure are. Hornbolt. I will be in command of the submarine. Mr. Higby here is a very experienced navigator. Dr. Thurzen will also be with us on the voyage. The ship itself will have a crew of 150, not counting the four of us. After you land, the captain shows you around. You follow him to the entrance of a three-story building and then into an elevator. The elevator goes down through several underground floors and stops. The door opens onto a long corridor. You follow it to another door that leads to a metal balcony. The scene is breathtaking. You are standing high above an enormous man-made cavern. High-intensity lights are placed at intervals along the towering walls. Far below, tiny figures swarm over a large, rounded vessel floating on an artificial lake in the center of the cavern floor. It doesn't seem like any ship or submarine that you have ever seen. It has a wide, curving front like a wing. Behind this is a long, tapering tail-like stern. It looks like an enormous manta ray. I think you can see, says the captain, why we have named this ship the Manta. No. No idea. No. Totally baffled. Did it kill the crocodile hunter guy? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's why they named it that. Got it. The workmen are completing the final tests. Unfortunately, we won't have a formal launching. 
Another elevator takes you down to the operational level where you board the ship. Captain Hornbolt proudly takes you through the crew's quarters, the kitchen, the dining hall, the engine room, and the torpedo room. Besides the torpedoes, says the captain, we have missile launchers. Their warheads, though not nuclear, are very powerful. We also have a small undersea scout craft housed on a special compartment that can be flooded and opened up to the outside while the Manta is still submerged. So an airlock? That's, uh, that's what that sounds like. Okay. You end up in a large, circular, and dimly lighted control room. Suddenly, various buzzers and signal horns begin to sound throughout the ship. The doors to the control room close with a gentle thud, and the watertight compartments of the ship are secured. The floor sways slightly beneath you. The manta sinks straight down into the artificial lake for about a minute, and then heads forward. We're getting underway, says Hornbolt. This wide underwater tunnel is carved out of solid rock. It leads to Puget Sound a few miles away, which empties into the Pacific. Whoever or whatever is preying on our ships seems to keep a close watch on our ports and shipyards. Many new ships have disappeared only a few miles after being launched. That is why we are being so careful this time. I still don't understand where I come in, you say. <laughs> you don't? Some really good ESP there. This ship has the most advanced electronic gear developed. But it is not enough, explains the captain. The electronic sensors of the other ships apparently failed. We are depending on your ESP abilities to give us an extra warning of danger. In addition, you will be called upon to make some crucial decisions that depend on your special psychic ability. You may even have to take control of the Manta if our electronic systems fail. That's quite a lot to expect from me, you say. I don't really know if I can do it. Plus, I'm only 12. <laughs> Don't worry about that, says the captain. As soon as we reach the open sea, you'll start your training. Soon you are there. Greta Thurzen arrives in the control room and shows you a special concentration booth. You sit inside on a comfortable reclining chair. Is it like a concentration camp for one? I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh. Even though the booth is small, you are surrounded by hundreds of dials, monitor screens, and electronic switches. Wow, this looks so complicated, you say. I feel as if I'm inside a space capsule. Forget about all these gadgets, Dr. Thurzen tells you. Your booth will be totally dark and soundproof when you are concentrating. That should help you to focus on your subconscious mind. Now, whatever is taking our ships could be anywhere in the ocean, anywhere in the world. Concentrate, and if you have any feelings as to where it might be, we'll head in that direction. You close your eyes and try to sense the location of the mysterious force that captures ships. If your ESP is telling you to go northward to the Arctic, turn to page 42. If your ESP is telling you to go south toward the South Pacific, turn to page 20. Either way. Yeah, I know. It's like a 50-50 sort of thing. I say south. C. Something tells me south, you say. But remember that this is my first try. Can you tell me what 
you felt when you decided, Dr. Thurzit asks. No. <laughs> I'm not really sure, you answer. I seemed to get a feeling of warmth, and I could see some swaying forms. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking, like... If you go south, you go towards the equator where it gets warmer. Oh. Swaying forms in the fucking ocean is really kind of what you would expect to... Well, this one said uh, swaying forms. Palm trees? Okay, fine. That's also tropical, which you would expect in the south. When when I when I read feeling of warmth, I immediately thought uh, P. P. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. All right. That's that's Pound it. right where my brain went. <laughs> like I was like, oh, you peed your pants. Okay. <laughs> you will soon have it under control, doc, says Doctor Thurzen. This is your first mission. You'll need time to get used to using your ESP. Turn to page 22. In the following weeks, as the manta silently glides beneath the water heading south, you learn to tune in to your subconscious. You also familiarize yourself with numerous video screens and electronic sensors in your booth. You learn how to use the circuitry in the walls designed to collect and amplify your brain waves. These waves are able to activate special controls that can operate the ship in an emergency. You keep watching the biofeedback screen, training your mind to produce different brainwave patterns, each of which is programmed to give a specific command to the ship. It is while practicing with these controls one day that you suddenly sense a menace near the sub. Something is out there in the sea. Something dark and evil. Finally. Bum, bum, bum. Go to the next page. The conventional warning devices of the Manta fail to pick up anything, but your subconscious mind is filled suddenly with a feeling of dread. A dread you can't explain. You barely have time to warn the captain when suddenly the power and control circuits in the submarine go out. The Manta coasts to a standstill. There's confusion throughout the ship as the crew tries in vain to restore power. You sense that the ship is surrounded by a number of small subs. You can see them in your mind, closing in like a pack of sharks. You know that they are all about to attack. This is the moment your training has prepared you for. You have to do something fast. Luckily, the ship can be controlled by your brainwaves. Immediately, you activate the emergency controls. How is this happening with no power, though? Because it's powered by the energy of your brain. I got a big brain. <laughs> if you quickly take the ship to the surface, turn to page 69. If you dive the ship at the fastest possible speed, hoping to shake off the attackers, turn to page 27. As much as I want to go to page 69, I don't feel like getting attacked from below is going to do much for us. Yeah. So dive. Dive. I feel like 69 should have been the diving option, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, I have the maturity of like a 12-year-old uh, yep. boy. Mm -hmm. that, that, that we, I think we all do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Your mind quickly forms the thought wave pattern necessary to make the Manta dive at maximum speed. The ship moves fast. Very fast. I think we did it, you say. I don't feel the presence of the attacking subs anymore. 
So that's what it was, says Hornbolt. I'm glad we got away, but what's happening now? We seem to be spinning around. It feels like a giant undersea whirlpool, you say. <laughs> We're being sucked down toward the bottom at a rapid rate, and I can't stop it. There's a nerve-jarring crash as you hit bottom. All hands check for damage, orders the captain. A few tense minutes later, Hornbolt goes through the damage reports as they are brought back to the control room. There doesn't seem to be much on the structural damage side, he says. Only some broken light bulbs and a few pipes twisted out of position. It's harder to tell what has been done to the outside. How about going out in the scout craft to take a look? If you think it is a good idea to take out the scout craft, turn to page 30. If you think it might be better to try to raise the sub off the ocean bottom, turn to page 76. Raise it off the bottom? Yeah, I'm kind of interested in taking the little craft thing. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. I think we should get a look at the outside of the hole before we do anything else, you say. You and Hornbolt climb into the scout craft, a disc-shaped vessel with a large central bubble like that of a helicopter. Twin water jets push it along underwater. The little craft heads out into the strange world, its headlights probing the darkness of the sea depths. Hornbolt turns the craft so that your beam of light illuminates the outside of the manta. You see that the tail of the ship is dug into the ocean bottom. You circle around. Look at that, says Hornbolt. Steep rock walls on every side of us. It looks as if we crashed into an undersea canyon with overhanging cliffs above us. As you explore the sides of the canyon, you spot the opening to a large undersea cave. You hover by the entrance. Are my eyes playing tricks, you ask? Or is there a gleam of light in that cave? It could be some phosphorescent sea creature, says Hornbolt, or something else. I'd like to get a look at it. The light gets brighter the deeper you go into the cave. No sea creature could make that bright a light, says Hornbolt. The cave leads to a huge undersea amphitheater. The water is crystal clear almost as transparent as air. The entire cavern, several miles across, glows with a soft light. The vast floor is... Did it say several miles across? Yep. Okay. Yep. They're not using nautical... Uh... Well, I understand. Several miles across is fucking huge. Yeah. yeah. So, whether they're doing knots or not doesn't matter. It's still fucking ridiculously big. Well, it does say the vast floor is covered with multicolored corals of every kind and description. In the center of the cavern, still some distance off, is an immense, curious-looking rectangular structure. For a moment, you think it might be a huge solid block. Then you notice small round openings near the bottom of the structure. Look, says Hornbolt. Our pressure gauge shows only 40 feet of water pressure. Is that possible? We must be down a couple of thousand feet at least. If this pressure reading is correct, it means that we can use our face masks and small oxygen tanks to explore that structure. Do you sense any danger here? <laughs> if your ESP tells you that it is safe to explore the structure, turn to page 32. 
If you sense that it might be too dangerous, turn to page 74. It's fucking fine. 32, let's do this. It's totally fine. There's nothing There's to worry nothing about. There's nothing to worry about. Mm-mm. This is no way shape the undersea city You of, just found Atlantis, and you are about ready to find out whether or not mermaids have vaginas. Let's go. <laughs> it made sense in my head. Don't. Yeah, I don't know that. No. Let's explore, you say. I don't sense any danger. Then I'll show you how to put on the diving equipment stored in the scout craft, says Hornbolt. The two of you leave through a small airlock in the back of the craft and head toward one of the round openings. It is really a short tunnel. Brilliantly lit inside, you enter the tunnel and soon come to a translucent window. Hornbolt wraps on it and slides it open. The two of you swim through. Beyond the window is a vast open space. The floor is filled with ships of every description. Ancient galleys, full-rigged sailing ships, modern freighters, even ocean liners, and submarines. From the most primitive to the most advanced atomic models. Wow, this looks like a museum, you say. Whoever brought these here must be causing all the disturbances. It gives me the shivers, whatever it is, says the captain. I think we should get out of here. Wait a minute, you say. Look over there. Those are the strangest looking vessels I've ever seen. Let's get a closer look. Are you absolutely sure we'll be safe down here, asked Hornbolt. (laughs) Go to the next page. And on the next page is your choice. Yeah. Because they couldn't. Because Richard Brightfield. Right. If you are beginning to sense danger, turn to page 109. If you're still sure it's safe, go to page 83. It's, it's fine. totally safe. It's the safest it's ever been. Apparently right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's because I've got ESP. Well, hey. You feel it is safe enough to swim over to one of the strange ships. What do you make of it, you ask Hornbolt? This doesn't look like an Earth-made craft at all, he says. It's more like a spaceship from another planet. Let's try to get inside and see what it looks like, you say. That door might lead to an airlock of some sort. You and Hornbolt enter the alien craft. After passing through an airlock, you discover that you can breathe without your diving equipment. Do we have to take our helmets off first to discover that? Yeah, how do you discover that until you take it off? Okay. You have no trouble finding the control room. Hornbolt looks over the rows of dials and switches. You sense trouble. Nah. Nah, everything seems fine to me. Yep, it's good. I wonder if I could operate this ship, says Hornbolt, pressing one of the many buttons on the control board. Stop, you cry out, but it's too late. You hear a whirring sound as the ship begins to move straight up. You and Hornbolt are thrown back into two oversized chairs in front of the control board. A large hatch in the roof of the undersea structure opens and the spaceship zips through. Soon it has risen out of the ocean altogether, heading upward at an ever-increasing speed. Hornbolt would have the bad luck to press the one-button program to make the spaceship from Alpha Centauri return to its home planet. You were in for a long, long ride. The end. I'm sorry, did you say Alpha Centauri? Yep. That is one of my favorite beers. It's a good beer. It is. It's 9%. You'll wake up in some bushes with only pearls and your fake eyelashes on if you drink too much of it. 
So, yeah, that's, that's the end. Yeah. You're on your way to Alpha Centauri. I don't know about this book. I felt like the descriptive parts weren't descriptive enough. And then, like, the parts that didn't really matter seemed, like, too... I would agree with that. Too much. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I... And the art, the cover art itself was fine, and some of the stuff inside was cool, the uh, art-wise, but uh, then there was some that just looked like doodles, yeah. too, so kind of iffy on the art, too, for me. It wasn't hideous, but mm. I really was kind of hoping for more Yeah. of something. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, the seafaring stuff was not as, uh, you know, dry as the Survival at Sea book was. But, like, all of the ESP stuff seemed really, like, wishy-washy. Like, you just go ahead and tell me yeah, whether just, or not... do we do this or do we do yeah. this? And there's no, like... Like, I guess that's supposed to be your ESP power, I well, guess. Well, it feels but... like if you have ESP in one of these books, the point of the ESP power should be to give you pre-warning. Yeah. That this could be a bad choice. Do you want to do yeah. it anyway? Yeah, a better... Well, maybe, but, maybe a better... Yeah. Maybe a better a better way to implement that ESP, like they described earlier, you get, like, give you the sensations you're having, and then you make the choice. You yeah. know, like like they described, uh, I don't know, you saw two large shapes yeah. coming together. Here's some vague ass bullshit. Do you want to investigate it or not? Exactly. Yeah. And then and then later it turns out to be some dude hitting your dad in his car. You know. So, yeah. I mean, so it could be more like that. Like. Yeah. yeah, give you give you the warm feeling, and then you decide to go yeah. south. Here's the thing: just I mean, just because the book doesn't do it the way that I kind of would have preferred it to do it, yeah, the book doesn't really do anything wrong either. Like it's it's a fine enough book, so I, I in good consciousness I can't not recommend it. Like there was nothing particularly offensive to my sensibilities in the book. So. I'm sorry, no, did the... you say sensibilities? Yes. Oh, are you saying I don't have sensibilities? I. I didn't say it. I was implying it. <laughs> it, like it, a, it felt it felt a little more adventure-y overall, though, than some of the other books. So, so kind of. I, I kind of did like that. I, I don't know. I don't think it felt adventure enough, to be honest. I felt like it had the premise set up to be an adventure book and yeah. just didn't yeah. quite live up to well, it. Well, I think we probably didn't get to the real adventure I'm, part, yeah. too. You know? I'm sure there's plenty of... Yeah. This would be, this would be a soft recommend for me. Like, yeah. You could do worse, but I wouldn't necessarily say this is the one to death. There was a read. lot. There was a lot of like, okay, turn the page, turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. Yeah, that's a and Richard then, Brightfield. Yeah. Sort of so I, I feel like if there would have been an option earlier on to get into the adventure, yeah, this seems to be a recurring theme with Brightfield. Yeah. With, um, Secret of the Pyramids. It felt like you waffled a whole lot, and then eventually we got to a thing where you're the James Bond, Indiana Jones deal fighting yeah. Doctor Ta. It feels like he just doesn't get to that stuff soon enough. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a short book, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Get, I would get, agree to, with the, that. get to the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, check it out. You might have better luck than we do. I don't know about you guys, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, soft. I feel like it's a soft recommend. Soft. Ha yeah. <laughs> ha, Richard. Dick is soft. <laughs> Sorry. It's a flaccid recommend. Flaccid recommend. Get that guy some Rendexol. <laughs> I'm sure these jokes are going to play real well if nobody listened I to our know. last episode. Oh, right, right. <laughs> That's a reference to the previous episode. Anyway, if you like 
choose your own adventure books, you should go check out. If you like them, that would explain why you're listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah, that too. Because there literally is no other fucking reason. But if you want to check out more or more about them, go to CYOA.com. If you want to check out more of our stuff, check out IncrediblyDaring.com. Share us with your friends and loved ones and all that good stuff. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know why that's funny. (laughs) Help us succeed. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) It's the way you said loved ones. Loved ones. Loved ones. All right. I'm Jason. I'm Jillian. I'm Jeremy. Peace. Thank you.